Dispatches from Afghanistan, exclusive interview with an ISIS-K fighter to the mother of all bombs aftermath. After a long past week of travel to an array of eastern provinces, it is always nice to come home to the relative functionality of Kabul and the little things like a working heater as the temperature drops, even if the electricity situation is continuously arbitrary. Much of my past couple of weeks have been spent really deep diving into the ISIS-K threat and what that means for Afghanistan and my beloved US and her allies. The top echelons of the Taliban appear to be on the drive to convince themselves and the international community that the threat simply does not exist. Almost all the high and low-ranking Talibs I speak with insist that all the perpetrators have been rounded up and sent to central command in Kabul, and there is nothing more to be concerned about. Some of the Taliban's intelligence leaders even told me that they no longer refer to the Daesh, which is what ISIS is known as colloquially, as which the term they're using now is rebels. Yet, the situation on the ground tells a starkly different story. Especially in and around the Nanganhar capital of Jalalabad, bodies are being decapitated and strung up for all to see on a daily basis, often with a stamped letter warning that if anyone comes to collect the dead, they will be in trouble. I've also learned that ISIS did have significant control of various villages for extended periods throughout the past six years. This includes Kuna's rugged Korongal Valley, where ISIS set up its own brutal governance structure for about six months in 2019. The Taliban commanders like to tell you that they were the ones who drew back the black-clad army and kicked them out. Only locals later tell me in confidence that it was the Afghan National Army, ANA soldiers, and wildly independent tribal leaders that did the heavy lifting. Still, the threat, however much the Taliban wants to downplay it, remains. And if you're interested in learning more about the aftermath of war and the ISIS ideology, please pick up a copy of my book, Only Cry for the Living, Lessons from Inside the ISIS Battlefield, and the link is in the newsletter. ISIS-K fighter hiding in Afghanistan reveals the terrorist group's cross-border ambitions. He looks like any other ordinary Afghan, a dusting of a dark beard, sun-leathered face, a small child clinging to his side. Only Nazi Fola, 24, is a proud member of Afghanistan's ISIS affiliate, known as ISIS-K, or informally as Daesh. He has long been wanted by everyone from US troops and the now defunct Afghan security forces and the Taliban, formerly known as the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan. Yet Nazi Fuller lives freely in a simple wooden house by the roadside of the Dara Ipek district in the country's eastern Kunar province with his wife, 17-month-old daughter and extended family, even as Taliban operatives linger near checkpoints less than a few hundred feet away. Nazi Fuller, who hails from Kuna province, says he joined the terrorist group around five years ago out of frustration that the Taliban was dishonest about the status of its shadowy leader. We kept asking the Taliban to show us a video of Mullah Omar, but we couldn't get any, he claims. That is why the dash here was created. They seemed truthful and they said they were going to implement Sharia law, so that's why I joined them. Taliban founder Omar died in 2013. Yet, it was kept secret for more than two years. Even now, the Taliban is keeping their supreme leader, Haibatullah Akhandazaza, deep in the shadows. Photos of him circulating the internet are years old, and he has yet to make any public appearance or statement, sparking questions over his state and status. 
Nazifullah says it is unclear how many ISIS-K members are hidden inside Afghanistan. He spent the last year locked away in the country's notorious Bagram prison, having been arrested by the previous Afghan government for his ISIS membership. However, when the Taliban swept power in August, he says that he was released, even though the new regime was aware of his checkered past. Nazifullah went straight back to the black-clad terror clan and says he has since broken his leg, seemingly from an accidental discharge of his own rifle. Yet, he remains ready to take up arms with a very specific goal in mind. Our first target is to join Pakistan, because the main reason for everything in Afghanistan is Pakistan, he vows. And you can click to read more of my interview with an ISIS-K fighter. The link is in the newsletter. What became of the mother of all bombs and the targeting of the ISIS-K airport attack in Afghanistan? A shallow crater spawns the earth as far as the eye can see. The mammoth hole, 40 miles from the provincial capital of Jalalabad, is now stuffed with ancient stones and surrounded by tufts of green, mud homes and crinkled curious faces, coated in dust and squinting in the blinding light. Some four and a half years ago, the United States, under the direction of President Trump, dropped the almighty 21,600-pound guided mother of all bombs, Moab, over an Islamic State composite traversing the Achin and Spingar districts in the eastern province of Nanganhar. It was poised to cripple the then-emerging Afghanistan ISIS affiliate from its power base in the eerily quiet terrain. Unlike conventional bombs, the Moab is designed to infiltrate a building or the ground, spanning nine city blocks, blasting fuel into the air, triggering a secondary detonation that ignites the atomized fuel. U.S. forces took every precaution to avoid civilian casualties with this strike and will continue offensive operations until ISIS-K is destroyed in Afghanistan the Department of Defense said in a statement at the time. Villages left in the rugged terrain complain of health ramifications, but almost all begrudgingly admit that dozens of ISIS, colloquially known as Daesh, fighters were slain. As soon as the bomb was dropped, all the Daeshes were killed so people could live in the area. People started coming back. Before that, we couldn't live here, but now there are chemicals here, says local labor worker Kari, who thinks he's around 50 years old. It was a test bomb. It, but it killed some dash here, houses were destroyed, and nobody's left here. Now the people have problems. Others say that their children, born less than a year ago, suffer severe digestive ailments, which the doctors attribute to the chemicals from the bomb. Locals are quick to pull up their clothing to reveal bright, red, angry streaks across the flesh of their stomachs. Children, who play in and around the carved parcel of dirt, scratch at rough and red bumps oozing from their clay-caked faces, it is impossible to know precisely the cause of their distress, but locals repeatedly insist that the ailments only began in the bomb's aftermath. But what's worse, many say that they can no longer grow enough crops to make even a basic living. However, the unspoken woe is that it may have been all for nothing. The US chaotically exited the country just over two months ago, seemingly well before the job was complete. Making matters worse, the terrorist outfit last year executed a raid on a prison in Nanganha's capital, Jalalabad, enabling dozens of the most hardcore of its ranks to flee. It has become jarringly clear that ISIS-K is only expanding in its insurgency footprint. 
given the spate of attacks that have occurred since the Taliban formally seized the presidential reins on August 15, most notably the brutal bomb attack on the periphery of Hamid Karzai International Airport in the dwindling U.S. days, which claimed the lives of 13 American military personnel and more than a, and wounded more than 160 Afghans. It is a group that is becoming too hard for the new regime, the Taliban, and subsequently the United States to really ignore. On an eerily quiet periphery of Jalalabad city, through snaking dusty roads, a simple brick home with a blue-green door, at first glance, seems untouched. But edge a little closer, and it's evident that a significant hole has gutted a targeted spot in the infrastructure. In late August, the humble home was struck by a US drone, purposely taking out the alleged ISIS-K mastermind of the August 27 airport attack. One guard for the house across from the target, Samiullah, recalls standing on the roof late at night when the US drone hit. He recalls the screaming of women and children and confirms that only the man target, a man they never really saw, was the only person killed. Three decapitated bodies, presumably of ISIS Taliban fighters, presumably of Taliban fighters, were also left in their wake. In a stamp letter next to the bodies of the dash, they had written, whoever picks up these bodies will be in trouble, Samiullah continues nervously. The bodies were rotting there for two days, and after that, someone from another area came and collected them. And you can click to read more about the Moab aftermath and the rise of ISIS-K. The link is in the newsletter. Lastly, it was an honour to chat to the Aussies. Thoroughly enjoyed the podcast that I did with The You Project, which you can also listen to here. And thanks again for your support. Please follow me on Instagram and Twitter for more updates. And the photos featured in the newsletter are courtesy of my brilliant photographer at Jake Simkin Photos. Please consider a paid subscription to allow us to continue this work.